Hi, everybody. This is Sam, and you're listening to the Deep End Podcast, the show that provides you with juicy relationship, sexual, and personal development tips, a podcast for deep thinkers and feelers who love personal growth and want to experience healthy relationships. Today, I have a guest who I'm slightly fangirling over because I really value and admire this person's content and values that that he puts out into the world. And this person's name is Stefanos Sifandos. Is that how I pronounced it correctly? Yeah. Yeah. So Stefanos is a trained educator and relationships expert with a background in behavioral science. He is passionate about leading people to closer to their highest potential and to each other. So you've worked with thousands of men and women from all walks of life. And I am just in absolute awe by the work that you're bringing into the world. And one of the videos that really stands out for me is this one video that you did with um, Samson and you were doing like a men's work thing. And that just, I was like, I need this guy on my podcast. So thank you so much for joining me. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd love to hear about like what got you into this space of relationship coaching. Oh, so many different things. Uh, I mean, ultimately this desire and this yearning to, um, connect deeper to intimacy, to being seen, to seeing others, to really feeling a void that, um, there was an emptiness within me growing up and that, that void was just not being understood, not being feeling not not being loved although i had love but then i also had a lot of violence and the antithesis of you know care and and stability and safety and so it was very confusing and so i just was fascinated from a very young age around social behavior social dynamics people interacting relationships love connection um you know human evolution human growth how do we grow together as a species you know, I'd watch a lot of documentaries and nature documentaries and, and futuristic movies and so forth growing up. And it was one of my coping strategies that helped me escape from the day-to-day chaos that I was experiencing. And, and so watching those documentaries and watching those movies got me really thinking and feeling into what does a better world look like? And I was asking that meta question outside of myself, but really I was asking it for me. And it was easier to focus, I I felt hopeless at home. So it was easier for me to focus on people that were at a distance, you know, whether it was children dying in poverty in in foreign parts of the world to me, or whether it was, it was, you know, wars that were happening, you know, how could we change that or or, or forest degradation or, you know, as I got older, big system thinking, it's like, well, why do we extract energy in this way? And why do we produce it in this way? It seems inefficient. Why do we distribute it in this way? And why do we utilize it in this way? And what cost does that come at? And all these, it was, it was these macro and micro relationships, but particularly how do I, how, how do I create intimacy in my relationships? How do I share and go deeper in my relationships? Um, and that was the journey, right? And, and fortunately or unfortunately, and I'll just use the term for, unfortunately, the way I, attempted to delve into intimacy and delve into closeness or my perception of closeness was uh, varied sexual variety and sexual intimacy and i i positioned myself as oh the way that i go deep in life or go deep into intimacy is this peak this experience of this peak experience of orgasm and that was enhanced by sexual variety and sexual diversity and sexual um, novelty. And so they sort of formed a compulsion and addiction to that. And, you know, if I was in relationship or if I wasn't in relationship, I was cheating, I was having sex wherever Mm -hmm. I could. And it it really, it was a facade for me. And it was me, again, it was a coping strategy, a coping strategy to deal with the repressed pain and the fears and the trauma that I hadn't dealt with. And as I moved out of that and that became unraveled for me and many years ago, I made a decision was forced upon me. I didn't have the courage to actually actively proactively, I should say, make the decision for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, It was thrust upon me when I was in a relationship and she found out that I was cheating. That, that became unraveled and I, I didn't have to, but for some reason, for many reasons, I just chose to look at myself and I didn't like what I saw. I didn't like who I was being. Mm-hmm. And I knew that wasn't me. And they, they sort of really started my journey into 
um, deepening of myself and I knew many changes had to be made. And, 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 I'd, and I'd always, when I say always, from a very young age, from the age of 18, had been in the personal transformation space. You know, I, when, I, when I began in, in sort of my humble beginnings of, I was, I was studying psychology at university in my early 20s, but before that I'd done courses in hypnosis and uh, um, early stage counseling and NLP and, and all of that. And I was seeing clients, right? But again, an attempt to heal or help someone heal and really in my mind, in my egoic mind, it was, I can heal them. I can heal them was really just firstly, that's mm-hmm. not sustainable and not, not real. <laughs> yeah. But, but secondly, it was really an attempt to, to heal myself, but I couldn't touch those parts because they were so tender. And ultimately I had to get into that in very safe space. I had to get into myself and into those parts that were very tender to close those trauma loops, to really begin to heal and expand into that version of myself that I knew existed. And then when I, that really began to unravel, I was able to be very clear on my dharma and very clear on my purpose and my mission and very clear on my service and the integrity by which I was doing that because I was in integrity with myself. Yeah. Wow. What a life story. And there's parts of your story that I like resonate with and that can almost relate with. Um, It's like that wounded healer experience. You know, we, we journey into the depths of, of these, parts of ourselves and we learn through others that's what I, my experience has been like anyway um and so that's huge to take that responsibility as well and I'm curious about like what shifted in the quality of your relationships and the quality of people you attracted when you did take this responsibility well what shifted was many old friendships that that were very safe for me, but that weren't conducive to the person I was becoming dissolved. And that was very sad. There was a lot of grief during that process, years of grief. It was Mm. years. And, you know, there are cycles in grief as well. There was anger, there was sadness, there was despondency and misbelief and Mm -hmm. extreme fear of my death, you know, many ego deaths, many identity crises within Mm. that time frame. Uh, you know, many suicidal thoughts and, just I plummeted into great depth and darkness and my friendships and my relationships began to shift as I pulled myself through that. And there were some that really stuck with me and stuck through me and, and saw me for who I was without shaming me and without judgment and with deep mm. compassion. That was very healing for me. You know, we, we heal in the presence of non-judgment and we heal in the presence of, of compassion because that becomes safety. Mm. And, and that's where our nervous systems feel, feel safe enough to go beyond what they've restricted themselves uh, through and by. And so for me, it was, it was a, a beautiful reckoning into bringing more authentic friendships and relationships into my life. Even existing ones were starting to change and morph, not without struggle, because when people see you change, it becomes unsafe for them because it's unfamiliar. Mm-hmm. And we don't know how to be with what's unfamiliar. We get threatened. We feel threatened because we think that they may leave us or we, we may be rejected or the things that we bond over, we cannot bond over anymore. So then we lo- we're losing a, a, a staple figure in our lives, uh, you know, a, a waypoint on our map of existence. And so there was struggles around that and, and reconciliations around that as well. But again, like the new friendships and relationships I would attract into my life were more truthful, were more direct, were clearer and more open. They weren't dishonest. And they were really, we were able to go deeper, quicker. And also there was greater reverence and respect for one's truth. There was more compassion. So for example, if I was to to meet a woman and she expressed a need and, and a desire, instead of taking it personally or thinking there's something wrong with me, mm. I would listen more. I would be more attuned to that. And she would feel that sense of, oh, this man is really listening to me. So she would relax her defenses. Mm-hmm. And so our conversations were were more profound and we were able to <clears throat> explore conversations that we just wouldn't be able to in the past. And that's, you know, in part, my now wife is how we explored. We, we spent mm. months exploring conversations, but very authentic conversations. Um, and very, I guess some of those conversations were very activating and triggering and very intense. Um, but we're able to hold that because of the inner work that we had done and the commitment that we had to ourselves as individuals. Yeah. 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 Wow. That's, it's so beautiful to hear your journey. And as you were speaking, I was like thinking about 
the awareness piece that comes with this journey and this path you know back then when you were behaving the way you were you were not aware to the things that you probably be aware of now and so my curiosity is around like why did you cheat then and what like is that desire still there the desire to cheat is definitely not there and why I was cheating was very you know, connected to what I explained earlier around, it was a compensation. Mm. So it was less about cheating and more about sex. And yeah. so, and, and more about, more about the excitement, the novelty, the variety, the peak experience, yeah. because I was hiding in that pleasure, in that peak pleasure, because what happened, so simply put the greater the pain, the greater the pleasure we require to avoid suppress or repress that pain. Mm-hmm. And so all the pain that I had, all the unaddressed trauma, I was just trying to stuff it down. And so the way I was, I would stuff it down, the way I would forget about it, the way it would just leave me would, was to have pleasure. Now, it wasn't just sex. It was food. Mm-hmm. It was adventure. It was adrenaline. It was status and peak performance, athletic performance as well. Mm-hmm. All these ways to disguise what I was truly feeling and, and to distract myself and others from seeing the quote unquote parts of the true me. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't that I was actively saying, oh, I want to cheat in relationship. Mm-hmm. I felt immense guilt and shame, immense yeah. guilt and shame. And I just kept burying that as well. Mm-hmm. It was that I was, I had a compulsion and almost an addiction to needing that to distract me when things got difficult in the relationship or things got difficult in my life. I didn't want to address it because mm. I witnessed my parents not addressing their stuff. And when they did address their stuff, it was in violence. It was in, it yeah. was in hate. It was in, it was in, it was in verbal abuse. Yeah. It was, it was an eruption. It was a, it was a leaking of the shadow. It wasn't, it wasn't uh, let's sit down and respect for each other and talk through and communicate through and express what we're really feeling and how we can support each other. It was like big fuck use towards each other. Yeah. And so when that was happening in my life, I would either do that. And then as a result of all that yuckiness, that pain, and I could feel the amplified pain of my past that was unaddressed coming up. What would I do? I would seek distraction and I would compensate for that. And so that's for me, they're the reasons why I was cheating. But even if I was single, I was still in that energy. I was still, I was still pursuing that. I was still Mm -hmm. looking for that. I was desperate, insecure as well. Yeah. And this is all happening unconsciously, right? Like you're not aware that this is why you're doing it, but through doing the work and investigating in your behavior and uncovering and going into the depths of who you are and why you behave the way you behave. That's when you uncovered Mm -hmm. the true meaning. The healing, the healing journey. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Wow. That's like, yeah, it's hitting some, it's pulling, pulling some strings for me because I've cheated as well. And I can see that and how that played out Um, differently though. Like, but yeah, also very similarly. So um, there's like, there's, there's a question around like this, healing process so you've healed or are you still healing through any of those things that you've you've mentioned that have caused this this sort of adverse behavior i've i've healed and moved through the core of those things Mm -hmm. are there layers still there yeah probably and i would say not probably yes there are yeah but the, the the layers are very small and minuscule and they're not as charged and not as intense Mm -hmm. and and so for me, you know, whenever we have intense or core wounds, it's not that they they become, unless we become fully enlightened, they don't really become fully healed. They remain as some scars or wounds in our bodies. They're scars, right? Yeah. And as we have new experiences with new people in different ways at different levels of our own consciousness and awareness, because we, as we age and grow and have new experiences and refine our own sense of self and identity, we're completely, or at least in part, new people. Sometimes mm-hmm. those um, wounds can be activated. Now, again, like I mentioned earlier, I have no desire to cheat. I have no desire to distract myself from my pain. Well, mm-hmm. I tell a lie. Sometimes I do. I'm human. Like when things get too rough, I'll go and I'll I'll comfort eat. Yeah, I'm the same. movie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. But to, do I want to cheat or do I want to be dishonest in the container of my relationship? No, no, definitely not. Because I know the fucking turmoil that brings me as an Indian. I don't want to go back to that life. Like, you don't want to feel that no, guilt and you. shame. And so it's, it's, yeah, it's also what are you like? You're you're choosing to lean into your relationship. You're not wanting to Correct. run away and avoid because Correct. you love your wife. Yeah. 
Correct. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I love our relationship and I care about us and I care about her well-being and my well-being enough to not run from it. Mm-hmm. And so, but do, do wounds still come up? Sure. Like, will I, if I had to have an honest conversation with myself, if we're having a really hard time, do I, will I have pockets or moments of thoughts where I'm like, oh, I should just be single or, oh, I should just, you know, you know, yeah, we can argue whatever. I should just go have sex with someone else and just, you know, d- distract myself from this difficulty that we're in. That may come up, but it doesn't get entertained. Thank you for saying that because I think that like, you know, people get confused in relationships. It's okay. It's like those thoughts are there, but what what's really important is to observe them and not, like you said, entertain them. Um, and not judge them. Not judge them. not judge them. Like sometimes I'll even entertain them. Like I'll yeah, deliberately yeah. entertain those thoughts and I'll sit yeah. back and I'll just watch internally. I'll just watch it all play out. Right? Yeah. Like I'll watch it. Or without judgment, I don't want to judge yeah. myself because if I'm judging myself, there's a aversion there, and if there's an aversion there, there's something that's that's more un, that's deeply unhealed that I'm avoiding still. So I want to be able to be at peace with all parts of myself. So um, sometimes I will watch it play out, but I don't have an intention or a yearning or a desire or a desperation to go and distract myself because I know the value that comes from facing head on my our stuff, my stuff. Mm-hmm. I never used to. I, I would give it lip service, but I wasn't integrated in it. Mm. And now having, you know, done some real deep core work in my life, and I'm sure there's more to do. I'm mm. human. I'm ever evolving. I, I know the value of facing that and facing that with support, not not by oneself, but also in solitude during certain parts of that, but also being very clear with the people that are involved. And there's great power in that and freedom. Absolutely. And that's authentically relating as well being able mm. to like shamelessly own these parts of ourselves and express them in our relationships, whether they're the intimate relationships or friendships or business, whatever they are, being able to feel that sense of safety from within and yeah, share that. Um, I really want to talk about this video that I saw with you and Samson. Um, you were in a room that was, a bunch of men, I think it was a men's retreat or something. And I I watched it, actually, I watched it a few times. I can't remember which time I watched it, but at one point I had tears in my eyes. At other points I had full body chills, just feeling and, and tuning into the energy of the room. Like, do you know which video I'm talking about? I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's this video. Oh, I can't remember, but it was like at the end of a, I've sent it to somebody, but it's at the end of a men's retreat. And anyway, mm. I just really value that you are doing work with men. And I'm really curious about what that looks like. And yeah, what, what sort of, who, who is that work for? Mm-hmm. And why question. do you do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't, I, I don't know if you know the answer to that, but it's not just for men, right? The, 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 the that work is for all of us. It's for our communities. It's for Mother Earth. Yeah. Father Earth. It's for uh, our children. It's for past relationships. It's for future relationships. It's for the women in our lives. Mm-hmm. It's it's for our families. It's for our sense of brokenness. It's for our traumas. It's for our possibilities. It's for all of us, right? That men's work isn't just like women's work isn't just for women. It's for all of us. Love because that. We, we, co- we coexist. Right? We yeah. we exist together. And what we've spent too much time doing is demonizing our differences as individuals, as humans, as as, yeah. as biological genders, and not focusing on the similarities that we have. And actually celebrating our fucking differences. Um, and that's okay. Yeah. Culturally and biologically, right? Yeah. And socially. Mm-hmm. And so that, that men's work is is a is a coming together in, in greater harmony and and you know, freeing self from the bondage of one's past, of one's unsettled past. And so that's why I do the work and that's who it's for. I I do it because I'm also learning and growing in the process. We teach what we need to learn the most. You know, I'm mm. I'm healing parts of, of my relationship to my mother, to my father, to my past selves, all the versions of me in the past, to my past relationships and women in my life. Um, I'm, I'm healing the relationship to me being a father in deeper ways or expanding that relationship, I should say, you know, through connecting with men that uh, are fathers that, that uh, you know, that have been in that journey longer than I, that um, have wisdom to share. So there's just, it, there's so many reasons why, 
you know, I, I lean deeply into into men's work, into, you know, and even more recently, well, no, no more recently, I've been doing this for years, but this particular um, service is, is something that I do every month here in Austin, but it's also live streamed virtually. So you can join from anywhere in the world, but it's mm. breath work for the feminine for the same reasons. It's a, it's a yeah, it's a three hour immersive. Um, we, we, we get together. Yes. Breath work and somatic release is a big part of it, but it's also highly experiential. There's bonding and intimacy exercises, helping women heal that sister wound, that mother wound, helping them understand men in a deeper way, the masculine feminine polarity dynamics that play out men, when men come from a wounded place, where that's really coming from, how that's not a reflection on that woman, how we can heal together, the intimacy and sexuality and all of that. It's this deep three hour immersive because I know that when men are met mm. with some of the biggest healing that I've done, Samantha, has been in the presence of a non-judgmental, compassionate, female-bodied woman, mm. a feminine energetic. Mm. I have fucking healed so deeply because of that. Mm. And I've allowed that to, I've allowed myself to receive that. And so I know firsthand how valuable it is to have that. And I'm not saying women are here to quote unquote fix men or heal men. It doesn't work like that. We're here to support each other through our own individual journeys. And so that's why I work both with men and women. Uh, and it's just a really important part of, of what I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I resonate with that so much. I have full body chills actually. And I love that you do this. Um, yeah, it's so, so important to bridge the gaps, to bridge the gaps and to the healing is like, I feel like when it comes to like healing work and personal development, there's so many avenues you can go down, but the the, the most potent and condensed and concentrated space to heal is in relationship when we're in relationship with other. And that's when we get to see those parts of ourselves that we may not see if we're on our own, you know, and it's, yeah. it's challenging. It's so challenging. And so, um, yeah, I love that. I love that you, you support both. And I'm really curious, like when it comes to your relationship, if you're open to sharing, of course, yeah. cause it's intimate, does your partner have the same set of skills as you do? Because obviously these are relationship skills. So you're teaching people skills on how to relate with each other more authentically, openly and um, vulnerably. And yeah, I'm curious about your wife and how you meet each other in that. Yeah. So we, we have similar skills and mm. um, a very similar outlook and inlook as well. And we're also, we're different and we complement each other in different ways as well. Christine's highly intuitive and compassionate. Um, I'm, I'm deep into somatic connection as well mm -hmm. um, and can connect dots in different ways to what Christine does and uh, supporting each other in different ways and being strengths for each other in different ways in terms of how we lift each other's confidence up. So for example, um, you know, sometimes if Christine's going through something somatically, I have a, uh, a greater aptitude in that, right. Mm -hmm. in, in the body. And so I can support her through that and give her confidence and, and reassure her. And, you know, whether it's through verbal reassurance or just her feeling my physical presence or whatever it may be. And then there's a certain areas where I may be stuck intellectually and I'm thinking, I'm trying to think my way through something, but I'm thinking too hard mm -hmm. and she's able to cut through that and hold that, that space and see me in non-judgmental ways. If I'm stuck, that, that release me from being stuck and allow me to see a broader and deeper view of what I'm, what I'm facing, right? She'll face towards that with me. So I don't feel alone as well. And so there's, there's just different ways that we, we complement each other, but we, we have similar skill sets, I guess, and, and um, a similar outlook and inlook on relationships and intimacy. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. And that's incredible. And so when you're working with people, like what are some of the, the challenges that you commonly see in relationships? Oof, many. Um, so communication, <laughs> <Loaded> question. <laughs> communication breakdown, um, mm -hmm. people living from their old wounded selves. And so they're reactive. So people, people are very defensive and then they'll defend in various ways. They can defend through attacking. They can defend through retreating. They can defend through violence or through sarcasm or through um, put downs, um, through humiliation, humiliating the partner to elevate themselves. So, you know, coming from our wounded self and then living in reactive communication is a big one. Um, sexual incompatibility and, and an inability to work through that because of shame. 
um, uh, a misprioritization of each other and the us and the we in relationships. So one partner prioritizes the relationship more than the other does. And they don't know how to have, again, healthy conversations and seek support around what does, what does the relationship look like and feel like for each individual, right? And then where are they going as a couple? So that leads me into misaligned values. So I'll give you an example of this. I have a friend who he has very openly said, as has his partner, she has also shared this. This is the most authentic, open, loving, deepest relationship that they've both ever been in. And he eats meat and she's a vegan mm-hmm. and she doesn't shame him and judge him, mm-hmm. but she has openly said that she can't live with him because he's a meat eater. And mm. they've been together for a while, by the way, and that it's very difficult to see a future together. So they're just very deep in their values yeah. and that's a non-negotiable for her. So it's not a judgment thing, but that's tough, right? That's tough. Yeah. So when you have, values that are competing or they're not aligned like your top two values aren't really in alignment yeah that's tough that's really really tough yeah i just had to well not didn't i didn't have to but a relationship i was just in ended because of that i our values didn't align those top two values several values actually and you know when you have that deep connection with somebody and you you love them and you you can like you explain like there's no judgment there is a, a reverence and an acceptance of who and what they are like it can become really um challenging for for me it was anyway of like wow I've got I've been met emotionally intellectually and having this really deep connection with this person and how am I losing myself in this relationship? How am I negotiating with my own values, you know, and like so compromising one value ask. for another? Yeah. 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 It's a really mature question to ask, you know, where am I contorting myself? Where am I not seeing myself? Where am I not loving myself? Mm. Where am I hurting myself in this relationship? Where am I not speaking my truth? Where am I not using yeah. my voice, you know, and why? Like what's stopping me from doing that? Why am I minimizing myself and maximizing someone else? and not being authentic in the relationship, which is going to, you know, mirror back to you inauthentic parts of your partner as well, which, you know, you're both then living in, living in and from shadow. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it, it's actually quite like overwhelming to recognize that and acknowledge that. And six months isn't a long time, but a lot of people do this for years in their relationships mm. where they just, and I, like just completely lose themselves. And yeah, it's a, the the coming back home can be just overwhelming but also so liberating at the same time yeah so what ended up happening with this this couple are they still together or have they decided to part ways because of their core values they're actually still together yeah and they know that their relationship has an expiry date and what i was speaking Mm. to my friend about more so was the fact that he's retracted in the relationship because not because he feels judged but because there's a fear there and it's like it's human quote-unquote nature to not want to invest energy and time and everything else into um you know not want to invest depth into Mm -hmm. something that that has an end where he's more committed to let's see where this goes let's let's explore the the in the infinite nature of this relationship and she's like no i can't and so you know there's a part of us that go well why should, why are we together and what can we what can we learn from each other in the in the in the time that we are together in the choice that we are making to be together because that's not a bad thing either there could be some really deep growth mm. and 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 lessons that come rich rich lessons that come from that mm. um, which are beautiful absolutely and then it's making that choice as well and then committing to that container even if it does have an expiration date how can you allow yourself to fully surrender to the connection and the experience that you're sharing with this person and and go to the depths like yeah there might be as you said human nature the parts of us that just resist that because of our fear and our trauma and our you know wounding but it also sounds really I mean, I'm such an idealist. This is why I do what I do because I just love the idea of like 
yeah, a relation. Like I've seen, I've witnessed relationships that work. I've witnessed people that have put in the effort and have put in the work to make a relationship thrive. It does come with its challenges. Um, but yeah, this relationship dynamic, like it can be, it's possible for it to be all those things, that passion, the thriving and whatnot. Is that, do you think that? Do you believe that? What do you think? Yeah, I do. Like you are, you are essentially asking is, can you have it all in relationship? Yeah. Can you? That's yeah. a great question. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you can. And with effort with and effort. work and attention. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, and maybe not, maybe some people's past doesn't require effort, but you know, our human experience is that anything worth pursuing and anything worth being in revelation of requires effort. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. Effort's not a bad thing. If it's a really beautiful thing, it means that you're committed to you're invested in and you're passionate, you're connected, you're inspired by that thing. And so effort, you know, orientation towards that thing is a really Mm -hmm. beautiful, it's a beautiful practice, Mm. an endearing one. So what advice would you give to somebody who is like, in that mindset of like, oh, like the settling mindset, you know, when we we kind of like, like I mentioned, like the compromising our values, one value for another or compromising and negotiating with the things that are actually non-negotiables, but we just do it anyway because of fear of loneliness or fear of like, Mm. you know, all the fears that we have, the narratives that we follow. Um, Yeah, I'd love to hear what you would say to somebody who's in that space. That's generally stemming from low self-worth. And so it's important we work on our confidence and we work on our low self-worth. So we surround ourselves with people that see us again in non-judgmental, safe ways. We work on our, you know, you know, our childhood wounds or our, our developmental trauma. If we've experienced that, we work on the patterns that don't, that no longer serve us. We work on valuing who we are using our voice again in safe spaces. We, we learn to, to build up our self-worth. And when we do that, we start making choices that are in a line, they're in alignment with that identity, not with an identity of lack or an identity of insecurity or an identity of I'm not worthy. Therefore, I need to derive my sense of worth and happiness and joy from how others see me. Therefore, I'll people please. I'll contort myself. I'll minimize my needs and values and I'll prioritize and elevate everyone else. Mm -hmm. That's not sustainable. So Mm. we start to break those patterns when we start to see ourselves differently and start to love ourselves in new ways. And that can be a very painful journey. There's a lot of grief that's involved mm-hmm. in that. There's sadness and anger comes up and we don't want to feel those big feelings. They're very um, intense. They're very confronting. And so we, we generally push them away. Mm-hmm. Um, we can be better than that. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. It's, um, it's the adverse effects of that, the ripple effects of not choosing ourselves and how that shows up in relationships. And I, I'm a firm believer that resentment is the biggest killer of intimacy. So I'd love to hear about what you think about resentment and how, you know, like how, how can people be a bit more proactive in preventing that from happening in the relationship? Yeah, we we need to we need to not harbor our pain, and we need to not harbor our disappointments. You know, yeah. disappointment is another another killer as well. Um, mm. But we can't allow that to be in perpetuity. So when something comes up, I I, I believe there's a there's a couple of things that we can do. There's like a three step process, right? So if you witness something in your partnership that has upset you or hurt you, let your first bit port of call be within you. In other words, sit with it. Don't, don't be reactive. Don't go to your partner and, and blame and shame and project. Just sit with it. Evaluate, feel, be with, et cetera, et cetera, right? Like just, just be with it. Mm-hmm. Then if there isn't a resolution within you or a resolve or there isn't a, a, a non-charge, because in that process, you're not just thinking and feeling. You're also expressing if there's anger that's coming out, you may be primal screaming you're hitting pillows you're you're moving energy right so it's, mm-hmm. it's a visceral somatic process as well as an, an intellectual contemplative one mm-hmm. if after that there's still confusion and you, you're walking on shaky ground seek counsel of people that you trust respect and revere a safe space could be a counselor or a coach could be a dear friend it could be a sibling it could be a parent whatever right then go to your partner 
then approach them in a mature way. Use communication techniques like NVC, nonviolent communication or the Imago dialogue, mm -hmm. ways that you can communicate each other where you're listening and hearing each other. You're respectful of each other's needs. You're not demanding. You're not projecting. You're making requests. You're making observations. You're mm -hmm. being vulnerable. All of this takes immense practice. Again, you've got to mm -hmm. practice in safe spaces. But there's some guidance for, for people like to not hold on to resentment. And then you can address the things in real time mm -hmm. as opposed to, six months down the track, all these things have happened and then you blow up at each other. And not only are you blowing up at each other for the thing that just happened in that moment, but it's six months worth of stuff that you haven't expressed. Mm -hmm. And that's not fair on your partner and it's not fair on you. And it's not fair on the, the progress and growth of your relationship. Mm -hmm. And so you have to have agreements in place. Mm -hmm. When we have agreements in place mm -hmm. saying, Hey, this is how we'd like to disagree. So for example, when something arises in the relationship, it, it really, and we need to talk about it. It's very difficult for me to be in an environment where we're screaming at each other because that reminds me of my childhood. And I tend to just retract and cower and not be able to speak my truth. So my request is that we don't scream at each other. And if we do start to raise our voices, we have a symbol, a gesture, a safe word just like in BDSM practice, we have a safe word that says we either have to chill out, go for a walk, read a book, come back, talk. You know, you have agreements in place with how you'd like to disagree, how you like to argue, how you like to communicate, how you like to express things that you're feeling, how you ask for permission. Agreements made in healthy states, like when we're in a friendly place with each other and we're connected, that's when the agreements have to be made, not when you're disconnected and angry or upset at each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a practice. Yep. Effort, yep. consistency, practice. Yeah. Yep. yep. And I'm just like looking, looking, because, you know, when we do this work, right, we do it in the relationships and everything's amazing. But true mastery is when you go back into your family dynamics, the place where all the trauma and the wounding <laughs> the origins of it, like, I don't know what it's like for you, but my family is very loud, very Greek. Very, everyone's talking on top of each other. Everyone, yeah. like, no one, I'm the black sheep. No one's really doing this kind of work. And then when I go mm. back into that environment, I'm like, the worst of me comes out. Like, there's parts of me <laughs> that I've, like, done such an epic job in, like, really learning how to um, reign and harness. It's mm. just, just like, what is happening? And I know that I'm on this journey and everybody else is too, but like, what's your experience like with that? I mean, yes, yeah. fairly accurate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fairly, I mean, I, I'm a lot better with it now, Yeah. Um, but I, I still get activated and triggered, but I have just really healthy boundaries. I'm very direct with my parents. I'm like, Hey, if you're, I mean, yeah. they're still together. Fuck knows why, but I mean, I do know why I'm being facetious. But I say to them, like, if you're going to behave like this in front of me, was going to get up and walk out like you just know that so if you don't want me to walk out cool like i'm not attached to it i'm not going to get offended i'm not going to think oh you're arguing therefore you don't want me here like, i don't care but i'm just letting you know that this is how it's going to roll for me so if i see them doing the thing that we've all agreed that they're not going to do which they haven't really agreed i've just made the agreement i've just set a boundary you've set a boundary just stand yeah. up I'll just stand up and i'll walk away that's what oh I'm my doing. god yeah and that's and that's <laughs> and Later, I might explain to them why or not that that's not that they're going to hear it, but sometimes they do. But yeah, know, it's just, I'm just not attached to it. Like before, I used to get so charged and triggered and upset. And I used to get in, into the fight with them and, you know, I wanted to force them to see my point of view. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we go through that stage, right? We're healing, we're like learning all about our childhood stuff. And then we look for somebody to blame. And our parents usually are the people that we blame. And I feel like it's definitely a journey and blaming is um, so disempowering, I believe. Like when we're sitting in that space of blame, we're victimizing ourselves and forgiveness is an antidote, but also like when we can relinquish the power that our parents have over us based on our perception of the way that we, um, you know, not perceive, but also the what we experience in our childhood validating that. Um, but like, or for me, what I like to do is orientate myself into acceptance of what is an understanding that they didn't know any better. They were just provided with very limited tools. And so they did the best they could with what they had. Hmm. Um, yeah. And there's a truth, there's a, there's a really profound truth to that. 
And, mm. you know, as there's a truth to that, our inner child, our childlike self doesn't understand that our adult self does. Yeah. So sometimes our, our child self needs a little more than just that. Absolutely. Yeah. This is a logical approach, guys. Like this isn't mm. something that is, um, and you don't want to bypass that either, I think is really important. So it's like acknowledging that that's happened. But um, in terms of like healing that relationship, like what do you think is, you know, I feel like some people go straight back to their families are like, let's heal, 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 but like we'll be met with disappointment. Like what, what advice would you give to somebody who's going through this journey, has discovered all these things about their childhood and may have this desire to go back to their parents and heal that, but then be met with rejection? Yeah, great question. It's a tough one. And so I, I was met very often. So I've been down this path where I'm on this healing journey. I have this revelation. I think I've healed this big, big thing with my dad. I bring it to, as an example, like my mum as well, but my dad, I bring it to him and crickets. He doesn't get it. He actually pushes it away. He's aberrant towards it. And I'll I'll share a story with you. So I'll share a couple. Let, Let me actually answer your question, then I'll share a story. So this is really important. Healing and forgiveness is an inside job. It's like when people say, oh, I want closure on the relationship. You're the only one that's going to be able to give closure to you. Now, in a conscious uncoupling, in a healthy uncoupling, can it help when there's two of you that are really aware of how you want to close the container? Absolutely. Is there, is there deep healing in that? And is there, quote, unquote, closure or a deeper sense of closure? 100%. But we can't rely on that. It's way out of our control. And so forgiveness is an inside job. You live with yourself 24-7. You're, you're with you. Okay, so... In other words, before you go and bring anything to, you know, and you, you dig up the past because you've got to, re- you've got to remember you're, you've been doing the work for X amount of months, X amount of years. You're aware of this stuff. You're actively working on it. It's like bringing a complex math equation to someone that has no idea what that is, but you've been working on it for seven years and you get all the intricacies of it and you expect them to get it just like that. It's not going to happen. Or you've just completed an apprenticeship as an electrician and now you're, you're telling someone everything you've done in four years and you're expecting them to get it just like that. It's not, it doesn't work like that. So yeah, you can't bring that to your, your parents. Like you can, but nine times out of 10 or 9.9 times out of 10 expect to be disappointed. So mm-hmm. you don't have the expectation of disappointment. Yeah. So if you're going to bring anything to your parents, if you're going to bring anything to your parents, you've got to be prepared for them not meeting you, whatever the worst possible case scenario is, you've got to be prepared for that. Mm-hmm. and accept that and be okay with that and mm-hmm. be at peace with that. And that's a practice. So you've got to do enough of that forgiveness and feeling and release and all of that before you can bring it to them. And here's a story I'll share with you. Cool. A few years ago, I brought something to my father and I said to him, do you remember, you know, tell me, describe to me how you were as a father when I was younger, when I was a kid. And he said, oh, I was always there. We had a great relationship. I played with you so much, all these things. I was a great dad, etc. And I said, and by the way, some of that's true. That was the confusing part. Like he did love me. I did feel his love, but I also felt his wrath and his violence and his moods and his emotional abuse and his absence and all those things far more. And he did play with me sometimes. And it usually came at a cost. Like he didn't really want to do it. My mom forced him to do it. And all these other things. But I said to him, you know, I'm, I'm shortening the story, but do you remember hitting me? Do you remember always being away? Do you remember the gambling? Do you remember all these things? He said, I never did any of that. Now, if I wasn't in a place where I could fully receive him and just love him and accept him for who he was, I would have just spiraled down and it would have been a shit show. But instead I looked at him and I just said, hey, I love you, Bubba. I love you. I get it. Because I didn't have the expectation. I know he's not maliciously trying to, he's conveniently forgot because that's what we do. We don't want to remember that we were tyrannical or that we weren't healthy fathers or that a part of our identity wasn't in alignment with what society sees us like, as society would want to see us. And so, of course, he's going to forget. That coupled with, you know, early onset of dementia Mm. and everything else that he's moving through physically, you know, cancer and all that. You want to remember yourself as someone that was 
gracious and all the virtues of, of what would be considered a, a noble man. Mm -hmm. So it's convenient for him to be there. And I get that. Now, a few years earlier, I wouldn't have been able to get that. And I wouldn't have been able to say those things to him. And I, and I'd done that so many times and I got so frustrated and so angry and so sad and so, so much grief, but anger, I just went straight to anger. That was my go-to. That was my, my control way of controlling life. Mm -hmm. And so my advice is don't, don't really approach. I mean, there's <laughs> richness and there's learning in it, but don't approach people for forgiveness until a, you're ready to fully receive everything that they're about to share with you and be until you've really forgiven them internally and you're good, you're done mm. and you don't need their validation. I really love that story. Thank you so much for sharing that. I have a raging question. How old is, did you, how did, how old, did you have, how many children do you have? I have one little girl who's six months old. Six months. Okay, cool. That's so beautiful. Yeah. I'm curious if you had this conversation pre-fatherhood or post-fatherhood and if that shifted your receptivity to pre yeah years okay ago. cool that conversation you know, i just shared with you was years ago years ago okay cool because you know how parents say they say you won't understand until you have children that's what i grew up with anyway um yeah yes. and there's yeah, truth yeah. to that though there's, there's truth to that yeah yeah, yeah. of course there's, of course there's just, truth to it <laughs> just the way that our parents would say it because i got that as well yeah it's not coming from a quote-unquote conscious place it's coming no. from a place of let me fucking guilt you into yeah. <laughs> And into and let me try and control you into doing what I want you to do for me and make yeah. you feel bad when you don't. You're making my life difficult. Yeah, yeah. The guilt trips, real thing. Real yeah. thing. Um, but yeah, that's huge to to be able to like drop into the space of just acceptance. And it's that in itself is so healing. Like to to see our parents and to meet them where they're at. And it's gift, it's medicinal and it's it's because it's, I went a journey through this a couple of weeks ago, actually, and I was like, you know, going through stuff around my mom and and noticing like the reflections and the things that I feel triggered within her, and then like owning those parts of myself because I do those things because I am her daughter, and apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And it's like, how can I learn to love this part of myself? I get to learn to love this part of myself by learning to love this part of my mom or whoever else it is, you know, this mm. person is re reflecting back to me because there is, you know, when you, when you dig into that, the shame and the guilt of that behavior because of the judgment that we place upon other people, we're then judging ourselves as well. Does that make sense? It's a bit it of does. a mind fuck. <laughs> it does. And it's a beautiful way to say it as well. And the inverse is true too, right? So what you said about accepting mum and then I can accept these parts of myself and can I accept these parts of myself to accept those people outside me both are true to me both yeah. really exist yeah yeah and that in itself is healing because when we can bring that into that self-love and that self-acceptance and there's something that you said earlier and you said it so swiftly it was just a rolled off your tongue but it was an aha moment for me and it was I had to you said something about being at peace with yourself Here's my experience for me with this, with being yeah. at peace or not being at peace. The more inner chaos I have experienced, the more I have sought to find clarity and calm outside of myself. And so I've put pressure on people to be that calm for me. That's a very big responsibility to unconsciously and sometimes consciously place on others. And so we need to be responsible for our own inner state and not rely on others to fix us or to change us or to be a saving grace for us because we'll often be very disappointed because it's it's a lot for anyone to handle and it's not their job and it's not that it's our job but it's our responsibility it's our duty to be with ourselves mm -hmm. and in doing so we learn more about who we are we actually evolve and expand ourselves and so if you look at it from that perspective, yes, it's uncomfortable, but can you meet the uncomfortable just like you meet the comfortable? Can mm. you meet the passionate kiss and the, the winning $100 million in lotto as you, you meet the breakup or the realization that your, you know, your mother and father were really abusive to you or whatever, whatever it is that's uncomfortable? Like really, really go there. Right? Really, really sit there and sit with all of it. That's the power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 allowing ourselves to experience a full spectrum of what it is to be human because it is a spectrum. It's not this yep. like 
one over the other. We live in a duality. Yeah. We do. Yeah. We wow. very much do. Mm. Super potent. And so when it comes to the work that you do with people, like what are some of the offerings that you have available at the moment? What are yeah. all? So I'm, I'm, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mentioned breath work for the feminine. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I'll, and I'll say, you know, I have a number of different service offerings that you can look at on my website, stephanosafanos.com. There's inner child, um, inner child courses, relationship courses, um, courses for, um, single women, be, be the queen and dating dynamics and relationships. But the, the breath work for the feminine is a, is a really powerful, immersive experience. If you can make it live in Austin, please do. So I'm going to travel with this as well next year. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It's going to be super, I'm super excited. And, um, you know, and I will, I will come to Australia with this as well. I'll I'll start more in the U S because I live here obviously, but, um, I will, I will, I will hear Australia for sure. Um, maybe 2023. Will you go to Bali? Um, you know, I used to live in Bali. I love Bali. Uh, maybe, maybe, um, please come. I'm moving there next year. I would love that. Lovely. Awesome. Where are you moving to? Um, I want to go to Chengdu first and then potentially Ubud. I just love the ocean. So, yeah, yeah, maybe Uluwatu or the islands. Mm. We'll just kind of float around. But, yeah, Yeah. if you bring that to Bali, that would be epic. I think there's a (laughs) lot of people going there. So Yeah, potentially. Potentially I may, yes. It's definitely a beautiful spot. It definitely has a piece of my heart, that's for sure. Mm. I um. Yeah, I, I can really feel, I, I mean, I'm just sitting with being in Bali and mm, definitely has me. Yeah. yeah. I, miss, I miss Bali. Where did much. you live when you were uh, there? I was mainly in Changu. Changu. Yeah. Changu's a vibe. It's so fun. Yeah. 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 Especially a few years ago, it was really, it was, it was awesome. It was awesome. Yeah. But yeah, back back to your question. Um, yeah. Breathwork for the feminine. Uh, Stephanosafandos.com slash feminine. And you know, one on one coaching. Coachwithsteph.com. Uh, you know, I do personal private coaching. And again, all all other service offerings are on my my website and my Instagram at Stephanosafandos. Amazing. Thank you so much. I'll definitely include all of that in the bio. I yeah. When I when I when I tune into what I'm feeling in my body, I'm just washed with gratitude so much appreciation Mm. not only for this conversation but for the work that you do for yourself and the work that you do for others and leading the way and being a pioneer and in this space I I see you as that you know like I see you as one of the you're at the leading edge and so yeah thank you for everything that you do for being you I appreciate that. I appreciate this conversation and what you're doing in the world as well and and your wisdom. And thank you for having me on your show. Thank you so much. Uh, I'll see you guys on the next podcast. Thanks for tuning in.